Hey, welcome listeners. So this will be uh, the second ever episode of Unverified Accounts on the Escape from Plan A feed. Just in case listeners don't know, uh, Unverified Accounts was a side project podcast that Liza, Philip, and I started uh, to be kind of like Escape from Plan A, but very focused on uh, culture and the arts. And then uh, just recently, we decided to merge it with the Escape from Plan A uh, podcast feed. So uh, from now on, it'll be Escape from Planet episodes in which we pick very specific movies or, or novels or TV shows and kind of do like a deep analysis of them. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm here with Liza, Philip, and Teen. What's up, guys? Hey, what's up? Hey. We've been playing this uh, for a long time, Teen. You came out with this idea. And it, it, it was how towards the end of the 90s, there was a whole like um, slew of office-based movies and you know with all the i think by uh, starting by the end of the summer a lot of people will be going back to the office uh kind of as business as usual i mean this is all up in the air so we thought uh there were five particular movies that we wanted to kind of hone in on and this might actually be a two-parter uh so there'll be we'll revisit these in the future but you know the key movies being american beauty fight club office space the Matrix and Clock Watchers. So, uh, you know, in this episode, we, we might focus a few uh, on more of those movies more than the others, because as I said, there's a second parter coming up. But that will be the the crux of this episode. But um, before we get started, um, just want to check in with you guys. How, how's your summers going? Very well. I we ended our we ended our 400 like I think it's like 440 day lockdown that we did. Holy and shit. we are we we still haven't gone anywhere indoors. We only just go to like the pool and then. Like for Fourth of July, we went to see fireworks, and then we do stuff like nature hikes. Very cool, uh, Philip and Teen. How about you guys? It's been good. It's my my foot's still kind of fucked up. I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but damn, really? You still? I know. Yeah, it's still. It's still like, a bit. Toe, it feels like I don't know. Not prep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I haven't really been able to like do like long bike rides or whatever. But we've been going Whoa. to the cottage and stuff. It's, Did it's you go like right. check it out? You got I, I I just don't want to go to the hospital gotta, right now, dude. Really? You got to MRI that toe, man. Pro- probably. You, you might have broken it. Who knows? I don't know. My my friend. Uh, sorry, I don't. I don't mean to jump all over your toe issue, but my friend, <laughs> my like my good friend who's exactly my age with the same basically the same birthday. He like thought he was still a young man and went to go play volleyball and ended up rupturing his Achilles heel. Like, oh his Achilles tendon. <laughs> Christ. Like, yeah. yo, we're not, we're not young anymore, man. You can't be doing young man shit, like jumping around. I know. I am getting old. Yeah, but uh, Philip, you can hire a masseuse with, with that uh, dirty loot you won at our uh, Euro <laughs> yeah. pool. Yeah, I, I'm the, I'm the, uh, the person who, the bandwagon jumper for the Euro Cup. Um, Chris started not the Euro Did you win, did you the, win the pool? championship. Sure, the Euro Championship. I, I did win the pool, yes. Oh, that must have irritated Chris to no end. It did. Yeah. <laughs> Although I the, the, I calculated it. If England had won, we would have actually been tied, you and I, Philip. Yeah, I deliberately chose Italy, not because I thought they would win, which they did, but because I wanted to beat you. So there you but go. But you also had personal reasons, right? That, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah my partner is uh, half Italian, so there's that. Yeah, uh, I'm still kind of... I'm, I'm kind of bummed out about that, but... Um, there were just, I mean, uh, just to revisit the European Championship, there were so many bad articles written about why I'm rooting for England because the England. Oh, I team, saw you post oh, that shit. shit. It was, I, it's I was so that, irritating. I was posting that before oh my the God. finals happened. The Atlantic ran two articles like that. I want to read the ones you posted, man. It was so bad. God. And then, and then, what happened immediately after they lost? <laughs> no, no, no. And and I, you know, Philip, you can test this, right? I said, oh, this guarantees England's loss. They've cursed them. Just like, just like, the, <laughs> yeah. remember when the Super Bowl right after Trump's election. 
uh, all these uh, you know liberal publication writers were like uh, the Atlanta Falcons represent um, the blue wave and everything. And then uh, um, remember what happened in that sad. Super Bowl? The greatest comeback in history by the Patriots. <laughs> Chris, when you posted this, I had to retweet it because it was just so funny. So this is the New York Times. Soccer, soccer success is making England whole again. The stunning uh, rise of England's soccer team is helping define a new vision of Englishness, putting the lie to those who would stir culture wars. And then a tweet that I saw after, like almost immediately after the loss unbelievable footage of violence in Wembley tonight. A literal child gets punched by a full grown man. Disgusting behavior. <laughs> it was like, dude, you're, oh, get over yourselves. To be honest, the, the thing that pisses me most off about this is that like, these people are clearly not that big of soccer. But stunning rise? What do you mean stunning rise? Like, England had made the semifinals in the previous World Cup. Um, most people would say that they have one of the best uh, attacking talents in the world. And this was basically played on their uh, in their home country. Like yep. they played at Wembley almost throughout the entire tournament. If, if anything, Italy had the stunning rise, right? Because they had a whole yeah. Brand no, new Italy, team. Italy like missed the 2018 World Cup. They don't have any big stars. Their like, most famous players are, are ancient, like yep. these old balding uh, defenders they have. <laughs> uh, so it's like uh, so these people uh, don't have this very passing interest in the sport. They they, they they like parasites. They they latch onto this and try to make it all about them and their ideology which i ultimately agree with like i you know it's, it's not that that's the problem it's just their total self-centeredness their constant need to the only way they can win is to project their uh, wish fulfillment fantasies onto something that really doesn't have that much effect whether it's a sporting event or or like a comic book movie or a star wars movie and guess what uh i, I bet england lost because they wrote those articles if they did not write that <laughs> marcus rashford uh penalty kick is a one centimeter to the right and goes in, and England. Yeah, uh, well, because he win. wouldn't have the future of liberal democracy on well, his shoulders. Know, he could just right, shoot yeah. a You're fucking. You're totally right about that. Now, every black player who is going to take a penalty has to be like, oh, great. If I miss, uh, I'm going to set back race relations another decade. It, as I watched idiots. it, unf- I we shouldn't talk about the Euros too much, but as I watched it, unfold, Sorry, I, figured, so, yeah. <laughs> I figured something like that would happen. I was like, it's three, three, like he subbed them in specifically for uh, the penalty kicks, and it was like three black players that missed in a row, and I was like, they're going to get racist. You know it's what the England. creepy They're thing totally is? Though, get this exact thing happened in Euro 2012. England, Italy, uh, in the quarters, meeting the penalty shootout. The first two uh, English shooters, both white, it was um, somebody in Wayne Rooney. I forgot who the first one was. Uh, but the second Italian kicker misses. Uh, then the third uh, and fourth English players miss, both of whom were black. The only difference was mm. the, the last Italian kicker didn't miss. Jorginho missed this uh, time but the the one uh in 2012 i forget his name scored it, it i i just watched it this morning it was eerily just like exactly was the there same. racist shit after that like i, I think a little bit but i, I think this was like kind of like before brexit um i think england yeah. uh, had more self-esteem uh back uh, about a decade ago so they, they didn't feel the need to to lash out so much but I do remember being, some people being like, oh, did you notice? It was all the black players who missed. It's trending on Twitter right now. Hashtag racist England. Uh, <laughs> top tweet. <laughs> Proud of you, brother. Only 19 and so much talent. Love to Saka. Hashtag racist England. Hashtag say no to racism. Uh, How bad do you have to be <laughs> to make Italy look like the good guys? Uh, and Leonardo Bonucci look like the good guys and all this. Like Bonucci, he's the guy who, uh, when like uh, black players in the Italian league complain, he's like, "Yeah, uh, uh, shut the fuck up." He's that guy. Uh, but mm. you know, somehow uh, he's he like, you know, that, that, yeah, whatever. That's it. But this anyway. year, it's been so good. Um, Hashtag gonna, racist England. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of down that it's over now because it really was a good tournament. Um, yeah, 
But anyway, moving on. Uh, all right, let, let's let's talk about this movie. I, I mean, these are classics, and I mean, I mean, T, you want to start off because it was kind of like your idea. You can kind of get. The yeah, ball I mean, I, it wasn't so much the movies in particular that I'm interested in. And I'm not. I don't really think that you know the the purpose here is to is to review these four movies that almost everyone in America they're they're like canon movies at this point. Mm-hmm. It was just that I, I I particularly liked these four movies, I guess, like mo- like everyone does. I don't, I don't really know anyone that really dislikes these movies that much. Some will call them overrated. But I it started to dawning on me. They all came out in the same year, 1999. I'm leaving mm-hmm. Clockwatchers out of this. I know, Eliza, you brought that movie up. I've never seen that movie, so I can't. I'm not sure it came out in 99, maybe like 97, 97. or something. It's, 90, uh, it's 97, 97 or 98. But it doesn't even matter because in 1999 alone, I mean, people have written, they made like video essays about it, calling it the year of the cubicle movie. So there's, there's enough there. That yeah, we that's crazy. See, I, you yet. sent that, and I had no idea that people, I like because- you know, we were just talking about sort of 90. We we talk a lot about the 90s. Uh, yeah, 1999 alone as a movie yeah. year is like one of the greatest movie years ever. Yeah, and then you is. start you start zooming in. You're just like, wait a minute. There's a shitload of like office movies, office themed movies. Yeah. Like what are they? What, what what are the real themes that are that are going on here? Yeah, I mean the most okay. So the most obvious one, of course, is Office Space. It's about an office, right? Uh, yeah, but we should when you start th- with that one. I think we should start with Office Space and end with Fight Club. Sure, okay, we can go like that. Yeah, but I mean, well, I was, I mean, the similarities between all four, I think, uh, is worth noting. I mean, they all start with a sort of like the same kind of guy, Ed Norton in Fight Space, uh, uh, F- <laughs> Fight Club, <laughs> <laughs> Fight Space. Uh, Crazy. What, what's the guy's name? The actor from Office Space. Uh, he was um, Livingston. Yeah, Ron Livingston in Office Space, Kevin Her Spacey swingers. in American Beauty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, 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 I guess Thomas Anderson, Keanu Reeves in uh, The Matrix. They're all – all four of these movies are very similar in how they start. And it's a guy who's just like totally bored with his office job. And I think in almost – I think in each of them, there's a scene where they kind of have to go in and talk to their boss. There's a – did you see like in um, – in American Beauty, the, the 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 layoff scene, like it's like a perfect mix of like the bobs, the consultants that come to lay everyone off in office space, as mm-hmm. well as the scene in Fight Club where Ed Norton sort of blackmails his boss yeah, into giving a really good up, severance. Yeah. It's a complete amalgam of those two things. And Matrix, same thing, right? He wakes up late, he has to go into neocortex or whatever and and uh have a you know get dressed down by his boss. Um it's kind of creepy looking dude. Mm-hmm. All in 99. But the thing is, these movies are totally different. Each one of them is like Office Space is just a straight up comedy. Uh, American Beauty is more of like a middle America drama. Matrix is like pure sci fi. And Fight Club is like sort of, I don't know, I, it's hard to describe exactly Thriller. what it is, but it's this sort of uh, sort of hyper male Probably masculine. Probably the most philosophical of all of the movies. Uh, Fight Club, yeah. 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 Probably most psychological. Yeah. I, like I, I think that when we when you first um, when team when you first proposed this episode, um, and I like lumped in Clock Watchers without realizing what year it actually came out. I think that like all these movies reflect um, perfectly like 1999, the, the tail end of that decade. It's like um, just collective middle class like discontent, where it's like if you think about it. 
not a single one of these movies could come out today, like not even office space itself, which seems like the most benign of all of them and the least violent, but even in office space, like Ron Livingston, you know, he jokes about shooting up his office. He, sh- he jokes about shooting up Inatech. He talks about like one of these <laughs> days, he says, and then he like makes that machine gun noise. Yeah. And, and, and then at the end a- of the movie, Inatech's headquarters are in flames. So like, even the most benign movie off of space, it couldn't be made today, like post Columbine, <laughs> post all like the the de- like yeah. all the mass shooting era. But was that the time, like in the nineties, when there you do hear about like people who would go crazy and shoot up offices because they have access to guns? Like, wasn't that not yet? Because this is be- this is all before Columbine. Columbine, okay. Yeah, I think that the movie that was the movie that came out closest to Columbine was Fight Club, right? They had to like reschedule their whole release and everything. I think Columbine we'll happened in ninety nine, right? Did it? That's crazy. 98, 99? No, it's 99. Columbine was 99. Oh, right. Shit. So like these, yeah, wow. so all these movies were made before Columbine. That's they, crazy. They I totally out. remember it. You know what they could, you know like, what they totally couldn't do today? They couldn't have a scene where like a young, handsome waiter walks up to Kevin Spacey at a party and says, hey, do you party? They, they, yeah, can't, that's, uh... <laughs> they totally can't do that. Uh, and, and the other thing is, did you notice like, I don't know, is it me or is it weird? Even if you have like appropriately aged, aged actresses doing uh, sort of topless nude scenes where they are playing underage children. Kind of weird. I don't know. I, it is that weird. was like like what? I thought that was strange. In American Beauty. In American Beauty. Yeah. She's yeah. age appropriate. Well, as an actress. As an actress. I looked but, her up. Yeah. Uh, How old is she? She was nineteen when she filmed it, but she also looks very young, which is probably why they chose her. Like she could pass as like a. Uh, I think she's supposed to be sixteen. I think in the movie. Yeah, it's just yeah. weird to me because she's playing someone who's sixteen. Right. right, and, it's just and she, kinda, she kind of like I looks. I doubt like, they would do that. Uh, someone today. Who, who's sixteen? Was that part of why American Beauty was so successful? Because they made a fuck ton, like two hundred fifty mil in the in uh, in the box office um, wow. during its run. That's, that's it was a, a, it was a fifteen. Not, it was a fifteen million dollar budget. So I don't think insane. people were going to American Beauty for the for the boob scenes. I think <laughs> the I think they, I think American Beauty resonated. The and all of these movies did very well. I think Fight Club was actually a failure at the box office, but then it, so it was caught office up big on DVD. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. maybe those two were like, and but like, they caught up in DVD sales, so they ended up making a ton of money. I'm pretty sure, like, I know it's not part of the four movies that we're talking about, but it is mm-hmm. mentioned as like an office movie, like being John Malkovich was also not, I don't think it was a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, that was like, I can't imagine shit, right? that's like, that is like a Charlie Kaufman movie ever being a blockbuster. Uh, to, uh, to your point, though, I mean, I, I think we'd be being naive if there wasn't this like titillation factor. This was 1999, and I, I will admit, I didn't watch it in theaters, but I, I rented it. But it was like, you, you see, just see the cover of that movie. You see the trailer, you know, with, with like uh, the naked girl with the, the rose petals everywhere. Well, remember yeah. what, so when, when American Media came out, remember what was going on at the time was all those like Amy Fisher, Joey Botafuco movies. Mm. Wait, what's mm-hmm. that? What were those? What? The, the Long Island Lolita. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Teen, you know what I'm talking about. Wait, yeah, what is yeah, this? Yep. Drew Barrymore even played Amy Fisher. Yeah. I have no idea what this is. He part. was like a married guy in Long Island, was it? He's old. Was it Long Island? And like he was having an affair with um this young Amy like Fisher. teenage high school girl, Amy Fisher. And then they like Amy Fisher plotted to kill his wife. And and this came out in nineteen ninety nine? And I shouldn't no, it was in the nineties, but it was mm-hmm. like a huge story. It was yeah, like massive. It was it was it got like as much time as like the OJ case. I mean, there was like oh, so this was a real wow. story that this t- was got like turned made for movie. TV movies, and like Drew Barrymore played Amy Fisher, Alyssa oh, Milano played Amy okay. Fisher in another network <laughs> made like TV movie about the Amy Fisher story. Like 
it was just so huge. Yeah, yeah. I but, remember uh, that. No, I'm just saying from my personal experience, like one of the reasons I wanted to watch it was like, oh my god, this is like, oh, you know, it's it's like, I yeah. guess I'm also <laughs> right? leaving and, out like Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Like that was also in the right, right. And, and the best part was this: this was art. You know, it, it wasn't like watching. Um, American Pie or something. I know that this was yeah. American Beauty. This no, was this Oscar is, material. I, I really love Sam Mendes' movies. Yeah, I, I remember. I'm pretty sure I watched it with my parents. Like we were all like sitting on the couch together it's watching awkward. American Beauty. <laughs> and it's totally um, awkward. but the thing is, it's like, hey, um, this is as I said, this is this is a cinema. You can't you can't uh, American <laughs> Beauty like on it. rewatch. Like I, I haven't. I don't know about you guys, but I, I I haven't watched it since it came out. It's it's the one movie that I just haven't watched over and over again like matrix or office space or fight club but mm-hmm. um yeah which is probably what we're talking about it so much exactly yeah so it's like it's really fresh in my memory right now because i'm still processing the rewatch and all the things that i missed in 99 and watching it now that it's 2021 because i remember i remember a lot of the backlash that that there was against American beauty when it won best picture back then and it was like depending on um which critic you listen to it was like um they thought the whole thing was so cartoonish. Like, like they thought, like, who would believe that Nazi sympathizers would be living in like picket fence America or like a middle aged mm-hmm. um, old guy, like a, a like a totally square, like like a Kevin Spacey's character could be such like a creep, you know? Or that like <laughs> everyone in America would just be so angry. Like that's what that's literally what critics were saying back then. And like now that it's 2021, you're just like, well, maybe American Beauty was way more prescient than any of us gave it credit for. And it was it, it was not cynical at all. Like it was actually like trying to be transcendent and like and like um, I, I think it was trying to be very earnest. Yeah. Are you saying the critics back then were just as um, obtuse as they are now? <laughs> <laughs> I think those I think they were probably repressed. I think I think yeah. they probably looked at this and they they. I think people related to this in a way like they, I mean, again, I think it was, I think it was super successful because people liked the movie. Like, I know that sounds and maybe stupid, people but like, felt something about like, it that like, cause you know, yeah, a lot of people, most people, it resonated. Live, most middle-class people live in the suburbs. So like this is suburban America. And I think that people were just like, they felt the same things that the movie was, was trying to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I also us. think like it was. It was also. I think young. Weirdly, um, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, Eliza. But I, I remember young people liking this movie. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't I, I, all like Lester Burnham's watching themselves. I think a <laughs> lot of young people were watching this. I was a and, senior in high school when I went to go see this movie. Did you like it back then? Or I did. Yeah, I did yeah, because it, I remember like having one of those like. Um, I like that it wasn't trying to be too ironic or cynical like the other mm-hmm. movies that came out mm-hmm. that year. It was like. Okay, like that plastic bag scene, the famous scene. I realize yeah. that it's like, it's border. Okay, I, cause I, I know your opinion, Chris, that it's like <laughs> in the wrong context, that scene is like bordering on on pretentious. Mm-hmm. But b- because we're so used to cynicism and irony, and I think it's difficult for people to say that like some things are just beautiful, like some things are just worth looking at. Yeah, and like, I, I think it's I, harder I think, to say that. I agree with you on that, Eliza. Like rewatching that scene, I think they knew that it would come off as pretentious. Like this this is a pretentious teenager. Yeah, there's no way they could have been sincerely thought this is so deep. Like No, yeah. but from his perspective, yeah, of course, and yeah. the character's perspective, it is. And it was just the movie was just saying, let's not laugh at him in, in this moment. Let's let's take seriously like why he might think this. Whereas 
us sort of like, you know, sort of more cynical, jaded people might laugh at that. I, I mean, because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's kind of pretentious. But then looking at it, you know, I think there's there's depths to that character, Ricky, uh, that I didn't think about before. Like, I think he kind of knows his dad is gay and is like actually very uh, he, he's actually very sympathetic to his own father, despite the fact that his father's totally abusive to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a scene where he kind of remarks to um, Lester, uh, Kevin Spacey. He was like, never underestimate the power of denial. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. that's a good yeah. point. I, yeah. Very self-aware. Yeah. yeah. I think there was a, there's a lot to that movie that looking now revisiting it. I'm like, oh, shit, there's there's there. There's a lot to this movie. And I can see how it I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm tr- I'm trying to understand what it is about these four movies, despite being totally different genres, totally different you know, ideas still had such deep similarities. And, 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 and I think it definitely had to do with like something, I don't know, something was going on. There was a real fear that of emasculation in all four of these movies. No, definitely. Like American beauty, if it got made now, would probably be called like an incel movie. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. Lester said about his, what happened to fight club. It was, it was conservatives that were outraged about that movie in 99. And look who's outraged about it now. True. It's true, called yeah. like it's called like the red pill incel movie now. Yeah, Fight Club. Or? Okay, so okay, Fight so I, I recently I recently rewatched. Uh, I mean, last night I watched uh, rewatched American Beauty, and I think I think that what does tie a, a lot of these movies together, and why it why the late '90s was like the spawning pull of all these movies, is this sense of I, I think we've kind of reached the top, or whatever it is, like whether it's like suburbia or like uh, American, um, just America itself. They're so bored with success, and it's like, where do we go from here? And I think, I think we're s- disappointed with it. Right, right, yeah. and then you're like a it's Lester a disappointing Burnham success. Yeah, you're like a Lester Burnham. You, you've got you've got it all. You've got it made. But the problem with Lester then, uh, in that specific movie, is that now he's become useless. He's become useless as a husband because, uh, I mean, in the context in the context of their relationship. Uh, as the movie starts she's like the more successful one he's this kind of like sad sack advertisement writer i don't know i guess he's like a copywriter and, uh, and you can just see him like physically change like in in the beginning he's always kind of like slouched he's he's, he's just very meek and uh, at least at the end he's kind did of did you pick up his character introduction um like oh what, what do you mean so the first time we see lester well he's like jerking off in the shower but like <laughs> it's all like um Later on, we see him and he's like in his little office space and his face is reflected on the computer monitor. And like there's all those vertical lines of text that resemble yeah. like prison bars. Yeah, oh, really? that was oh, amazing. I didn't catch that. Oh, good eye. I didn't catch it either, but in that essay you sent, the video essay you sent us, like it had that, you know, outlined and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so prison bars are codes from the Matrix. Uh, why not both? <laughs> why not both? Uh, <laughs> but like yeah. uh, Janie, Sorry. like tw- uh, actually, it, it, she says it's the his daughter. <laughs> yeah, like Janie, uh, uh, the Thora Birch character says at the very beginning, like I, I need, like a role model. I need a dad. You know, I, I, I need him to basically step up. But also, he's probably like living this new parenting world where he's like, oh, you, you can't, you can't like yell at your kids. You can't really, you know, push him around. I mean, not literally, but you know, you can't really push him around. And you know that scene where he finally kind of decides to, to, you know, stop taking all that bullshit. And he like yells at her to sit down. I always got the yeah. sense that she kind of liked it. She's like, oh, good. Now he's like this. When he throws he's, the plate, he's, growing a yeah, he's like yeah, yeah. he's no no longer this like like horny little geek boy who who acts more like her little brother. Like now he's actually kind of acting like my dad. So I think that it's like the the downfalls of of like you know like social progress even like I still had a harder time sympathizing with Lester than I did um, Chris Cooper's character. 
Yeah, I mean, Les- Lester is not not a good guy at all. Uh, he's just, you know, at No, best, yeah, I don't uh, think Lester yeah. is... I don't think the characters in any of these are particularly... It's hard to sympathize with them or even like them. Like, Ed Norton's character in Fight Club, not easy to sympathize or like him, right? He's, no, no, he he's, makes up all of his own problems. He creates he all of his name. own problems. Yeah, yeah. and then... Uh, uh, I don't know about Neo. He, Neo's kind of an empty space, but the uh, Ron Livingston in um, Peter Peter Gibbons, I think, is his name in yeah. uh, Office Space. You know, not particularly. There's nothing great or special about him. He's he's just an office drone guy. Kevin Spacey, the same thing, and I think that that kind of shows. Ninety nine. It was like I don't know for men. I think there was who related to. I think a lot of these very these movies are very popular with men, uh, including American Beauty. Is this sort of, uh, I don't know, this sort of like um, lack of identity or just feeling of being like not special, purposeless. There was a whole monologue in uh, Fight Club about how we were all promised to be rock stars and, and you know, stuff Fight like that. I think Fight Club addresses that, that the best. Also, yeah, though, yeah, yeah. American, though American Beauty, Beauty has it too. Well, where, Angela, which is the Mina Suvari mm-hmm. character, she explicitly says, she says yes, like the worst yeah. thing in the world is to be ordinary. And I mean, she says it, but like everybody in in that movie believes it. That's like, you know, whether it's Carolyn uh, Annette Bening's character just like being obsessed with success, or uh, you know, Lester wanting to be heard, like both figuratively and literally. Like, there's there's a part towards the end when Angela just asks him, um, you know, how are you doing? And he's like, wow, uh, I, no one's asked me that in a long time. Uh, it's like, yeah, the, the, like the worst thing in in like late '90s America is to be boring and ordinary can i bring it can i bring it back to like being john malkovich oh yeah yeah sure yeah. how they're all crawling through that portal to be a movie star right yeah. <laughs> right 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 like right. a movie star for a day literally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 15 minutes before you get which i think if you look over like what the past because you know what's funny is these movies are like over 20 years old now i don't know if if you've watched rewatched all of them but they still although like what you said like you know we couldn't there a lot of them couldn't be remade they don't feel old Mm-mm, they still no. feel very like what they're saying in these movies, in my opinion, has not been resolved. I think we're still living within the problems that they proposed over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I did think that's kind of why keep, I was really interested in this. Did they not keep making movies in that kind of cubicle genre? See, that's no, because 9-11 happened and suddenly yeah. everything had uh, to be like so like American life had to be glorified, that's not satirized. Point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. 9-11 gave us a bit of an answer. Uh, or a way to block this 9/11 out. Nine Eleven and the dot com bubble burst, and then mm-hmm. also Columbine. Yeah, all but those see, things I don't, happened in a very short amount of time. I don't think anything. So by two thousand one, the whole country's like the the whole attitude, the whole climate in the country changed. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. I, I don't think anything that was produced out of nine eleven artistically has stood up the way these kinds of th- these four movies have or maybe five or six I don't know but you know what I mean like yeah uh, well yeah and there's also a thing that it's harder to be honest about something when you know it's real that's why like before Columbine you can make all, you can make heathers you could joke about school shootings because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it it's not a constant threat in your life and mm-hmm. so I think these movies uh, if they are able to be so critical of you know American values the American way and all that is because deep down they probably did have this uh, bridling confidence that you know what this, this is—we've reached the promised land. This is the mountaintop. You're saying and they, now, those movies pulled the curtains 
back and you can't pull the curtains back twice. You can only do it No, once. I'm not saying these movies did. I'm saying reality did. Whether it was 9-11, whether it was like oh, the great financial crisis. Yeah, but my, yeah, no, I agree with that. Totally agree with that. I think the reason that happened though is I do think that these four movies were able to tap into some psychological truth that was going on in the 90s in a way that made them prophetic. And if you take office space, like I don't think it was an accident that we started getting all these. It was not an accident. I don't think it was a coincidence that in 99, there was a movie like Office Space that was a comedy. But then later on, we started seeing those events in real life as tragedy. Uh, I think that Office Space was at that time a comedy about something that was then funny and now not so funny. Kind of like 40-Year-Old Virgin. Uh, incel, kind of funny back then. Now, not so funny. <laughs> Inappropriate, right? yeah. Yeah, well, and I think we, that's we what makes, which makes it so much. interesting. You know, We know the truth too much. And yeah. that, that's what I'm saying. That it, it tapped into psychological truth that was adequately protected by uh, this confidence that... Uh, you know, we, we would still be at the top. Things were still structurally sound in the end. Therefore, we can afford to do uh, go spelunking into the the deep recesses of, of the American mind or or something. And then, but then when, when those support systems collapsed, then you get the, the total fantasy uh, worlds that come up. Uh, maybe it's no accident that you know the Lord of the Rings comes out in the early two thousands, and you know ever since then everything just keeps getting more and more epic, more and more. Uh, fantasy, like sci-fi, comic yeah. booky, uh, fantasy, and and nobody really wants to go do like the uh, American Beauties or or Fight Clubs anymore because it's too real. Because we've we've seen um, we've seen that hey, uh, it can come crashing down at any minute. So let's at least um, give ourselves some like laughing gas. When when you say that at the top, do you mean like America as a power? You know, at that kind of geopolitical level, or do you mean like the American middle class is at the top? Oh, everything, everything. Oh. It's just like yeah. Like, I mean, think of like say where China was at that time. China was like still pretty poor. Yeah. Uh, people like that, it was just when like China was inducted into the WTO, right? And that was like yeah. the ultimate uh, kind of uh, backhanded compliment. Like we know you'll never really <laughs> challenge us, so come on in, you know, join the club. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> I think basically the. I mean, okay, let's talk about the structure of the plot, right? It's always about a guy who kind of gets like red pilled. A literally red. I mean, actually, one of these <laughs> the movies, I guess, literally. is the origin of red pill. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Office Space. He's kind of red pilled by a particular event. He's hypnotized, right? American Beauty. He's. he's it, it's almost. It's almost a red pill. It's those little like red, red you know, roses. Seduced, red roses. Yeah. 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 He gets sort of mesmerized by um by by his daughter's friend, uh, and then Fight, Fight Club, Club is I guess, now known is, as like the red pill incel movie. Yeah. And they and also so, all the heroes abandon their jobs before finding themselves. Yes, exactly. They all do a rage quit. They just say fuck it. They they say fuck it. They go off the sort of known beaten path that they're supposed to run on, and they go down a totally different rabbit hole. And uh, and it, you know, I think you know we should have we should talk to Trevor next time if we do a round two of this. We should have Trevor on because I want to round three, round it. four. There's like we got so many movies to talk about. True. True. But, you know, he talks a lot about, like, Jungian shadow stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these movies explore the dark side to the male psyche uh, in a really, in a way that was very uh, um, well contextualized to American life then. It, it really helped you, it helped young guys, I think, make sense of what was going on. Like, why they felt bored, you know, why they felt maybe depressed or anxious or something. Was that why it was appealing? Because the structure 
gave them sort of like a out or a, like a fantasy out from yeah. middle life, whatever office. I mean, think about life. office space. Like think about what's his name? Uh, Mike judge, Peter, Peter. you know? Oh, the, yeah. The director. No, the, the, the creator, right? Yeah. Like Beavis I mean, he's, and butthead. Yeah. Yeah. Silicon he later Valley. did Silicon Valley, which uh, I think was a little bit more limited in its like appeal, but a lot of people were like, yeah, it gives me this. I like watching it because it gives me a bit of catharsis to say that, you know, this some of this stuff needs to be made fun of like people are taking it too seriously right it needs to be yeah. roasted yeah i think that's why people were really into uh into these movies because they were really able to capture some of the darker shit in people's minds and but put it into something that made sense like in these movies but yeah you're right like i think after 99 it's almost like instead of just having more movies about it like that shit actually happened to people they, got, you know, they all got cushy, middle class, kind of office paper pushing, not kind of until and, 2001. And we got kind of, I mean, 2000 itself, you know, with the election was more traumatic, I think, than people realize, uh, you know, when when um, Gore lost in that weird recount thing down in Florida. But then 2000, mm-hmm. what, 9-11? I mean, that was a red pill event for like the whole country, right? <laughs> but but it's not like, but so. it's not like, like, you know, people's kind of middle class career, especially like if you're a college grad, you know office desk job like that stuff continued up till now right and now we're questioning it again because of the pandemic oh no i think people were definitely questioning it um you know they didn't necessarily quit but i think like then you get to like the financial crisis yeah uh, you know and people were a lot of people were kind of forced off that path right Mm -hmm. so i think i guess what i'm trying to say i'm just trying to say like i just thought it was an interesting why did i even bring these up I think in the discord originally was because it was more like uh, I think this kind of thing happens like Asian Americans do are getting more and more red pilled by shit. Right. And I was just saying like, you know, I think that, that you know, we've seen this before. Like, do you think uh, that that's like just out of necessity? Like there's nowhere else to go. I think it's partly out of necessity. Yeah. I don't think it's totally, uh, you know, I don't think it just kind of came from nowhere. When you say there's nowhere, nowhere left to go, Liza, do you mean like, you know, the straight and narrow path of taking that kind of cushy, typical office job, coder, lawyer, whatever, right? Business analyst, whatever. Like that's still 99% of what people would do. They're not willing to like take the off the beaten path, the whatever, like, I don't know if it's like a creative artistic thing or like an entrepreneur. Yeah, like not, nobody wants to do that anymore. People, people do do those things too, and it's not necessarily great, right? Like getting into the arts and stuff. I would say that that is like. Well, I think like uh, take a movie like American Beauty. Um, I think it. Get, I mean, I rewatch it, and I have to admit, uh, I think it's kind of become fashionable to trash that movie. I think uh, out of all the movies that we've picked, except for maybe Clock Watchers, I'm not sure because I haven't watched that yet. But it, it is the one, you know, I don't Fight think Club. That many is people re- saw Clock Watchers. Yeah, I do want to watch it. It looks interesting. Uh, I mean, Fight Club. I think Philip is the Philip and I are the only ones who have seen Clock Watchers. Right. It's good. Yeah. But anyway, like you know, Fight Club, uh, Office Space, The Matrix, revered movies. They're like you know, some people mm-hmm. you know, they're at the very least cult classics. American Beauty, I think, especially because I think it won the Best Oscar, uh, Best Picture. It was very honored at its time. People will probably now look at it and be like, oh, look at these whiny white suburban. Oh yeah, yeah. It wasn't a cult tough. hit. It was right. a mainstream hit. Yeah. But um, I will have to say, when I rewatched it, I'm like, this is a really well-made movie. I, I yes. don't like Sam Mendes. I think a lot of his movies are kind of boring. They, they're beautiful, but often very boring, I think. But this movie's like really watchable. He didn't Everyone's write it, though. So didn't you thought that Jarhead was boring? Oh, I didn't even want... I didn't know he made Jarhead. But, um, he, made he made Jarhead like, 1917 and Revolutionary yeah, Road. I thought 1917 was boring. I thought... Uh, 
Road to Perdition was boring. I thought um, you Spectre saw all was did he boring. Do, did, he do Sky, did he do Skyfall? That was yeah. great. Yeah, he did Skyfall. That was, no, that no, was no, the no, best. Sky, not, Skyfall, not Spectre. Yeah. No, Sky, I, I fell asleep during Skyfall. I thought he did I Skyfall. Never fall asleep oh, no, I'm not the saying theater. it's a great not movie. Spectre. I'm saying it's the best uh, Daniel Craig uh, I still say Casino Royale. But Casino Royale. Like Go like rewatch it. It's not that good. It's all. It's kind of fucked up now. <laughs> I, I rewatched it. I was like, this sucks. I've I loved it, it many times. Everybody should just times. watch Jarhead. I think that's Sam Mendes' best movie. Okay, I'll give that a shot. Mm. But mm. anyway, my, my point is, like, if you strip away the the superficial, uh, you know, the the the, the um, Mercedes SUVs and and all that, uh, you know, it does talk about a lot of issues that are still like very hot today. You know, whether it's like. The you know the Lester's issues with his own like fading irrelevant masculinity to uh, like these teenage girls who are you know basically um, measuring themselves by how much sexual attention they get to like like Carolyn's like you don't know a lot about her character I think she's a fascinating character like if they ever rebooted American Beauty uh, they should definitely make I, and that's the beauty of this movie I think you could reboot it can't be rebooted Wait, let, me, let me ask you it a question it could be a different movie. Uh, Chris and Philip, when was the first time you saw these movies? I, I, well, roughly, like when? When did you first see them? American Beauty, mm-hmm. probably at least a year within its release, because I rented it from Blockbuster. Oh, so you were pretty that. young. Yeah, I was very young when I watched. How, it. Like, how I told you, you I was like, it? I was like titillated by the movie poster. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, the it. Matrix, okay. I saw couple of years uh after or maybe a year or two after it came out the, Didn't the, watch the, are, you, are you in high school at this point or what uh or middle school uh, late elementary school oh shit okay um, wow office space i didn't watch until i think i was in college i didn't watch it for a long time okay uh fight club i want to say maybe late high school or maybe early college okay so for office space uh you said you watched it fairly recently right yeah um like for the first time mm-hmm. yeah like like i think i was in college when i watched in it college so time. okay what did you think of it? Did you think of it as an old movie or were you or did it strike you as something that was still kind of current or or also, was this but my my like time horizon for movies is probably a little bit abnormal. When I think of old movie, I'm thinking like 50s whereas the average person probably thinking more like the 90s. <laughs> uh but I didn't think it was old at all because it was just 1999. Okay. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, I I was alive when it came out. Of course it can't be old. Okay. Yeah. Um but anyway, uh, as I was saying, uh, just to get back to what I was saying, American Beauty has so many great characters. Uh, some you like kind of barely even know about, and you're like, I really want to get to know more of this character. And I think that's why it works because like every character is great. There's like a lot of great scenes that are very like um, theatrical in the sense of it, it feels like a stage production. You know, characters shouting at each other you know, around the dining table kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I think it's I also think, hilarious. The, yeah, jo- a lot the of jokes hit really hard. <laughs> and I, I, that I part think... where he talks about how every day is the worst day of his life. Yeah, wait, Office Space. Yeah. Oh, Office Space. Yeah. Oh, wait, That's Office Space. Office space yeah. or I was talking about Beauty. American Beauty, but that was yeah, sorry. Keen, I, thought. I thought we were still talking about uh, Office Space. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, I was kind of laughing at uh, the the <laughs> the scenes. The where where she's uh, in the in the motel room with the king. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'll, I won't repeat it, but it was just hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah, like like give me the royal your treatment, majesty. your majesty, yeah. while he's <laughs> while he's fucking her in yeah. in a very awkward position. I remember watching that as as a kid. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like her leg. I mean, it's just comical. It's hilarious. You know, it's not titillating. Her her feet are all up in the air, and she's like, "Fuck me, your majesty," and he's like, "Who's the king? How does it feel to get nailed by the king?" Post OC, <laughs> it's even funnier because that's Sandy Cohen, who's like. The, the greatest one of the greatest yeah. TV dads of all time yeah. playing the well, uh, I guess really? he's not exactly guy? sleazy but he's, no, he's, no he's he's he's, yeah, he's definitely he's a character sleazy. and he's I think not actor, as morally upstanding as Sandy Cohen and he's like, he did a good job he knew that this was a caricature you know and he it's really he had funny fun. in retrospect. he made fun of this character pretty well yeah but 
yeah, anyway, I mean, I think, I just, I think like looking back, uh, these movies still seem, they seem prescient in a way. I wouldn't say they seem like up to date or modern or anything, but in a way I feel like, I don't know. I like these, I like thinking about these movies just because not, not necessarily because the movies are so great, but that whatever is in these movies really resonated with people in 99. And I, it makes a lot of sense that it did. Th- thinking about timelines and like whether or not this shit has changed. Like, you know how I was just saying like, oh, well, you know, like office life has kind of been the same since 99 to now. Not entirely true, right? Because now I'm thinking about when you're asking like, when did we see these movies? I watched Office Space when I was in college, like partway through college. And so I had some context for office work because I was working internships, like just like, you know, programming jobs, tech jobs. But this was when startups and like tech was starting to rise, you know, over finance. And when I watched Office Space, it looked old to me because of like literally the artifacts in the movie were old, right? Like cubicles, like PC load letter, right? Errors on like the printer and shit like that, right? Um, even the oh, yeah, name of the like company. Pre, this is pre.com tech. This is, well, yeah, this is right before .com, but it was leading up to it, right? The company Inintech is supposed to be kind of like prescient of some kind of pre.com IT company. Mm-hmm. So to me, I was at like a, a, I think when I watched it, I was working at a, at a startup in an internship. And I was like, this is really old school, but I kind of get what they're getting at, right? But also oh, like offices okay. aren't like this anymore. Like they're open mm. concept now, right? You right. don't, you're not tied to your work with like, you don't have to like wear a fucking like collared shirt and tied to your, your job anymore, right? Things were starting to modernize and change at that time. So it felt like so maybe did it was you, evolving. Did it feel like the movie then was irrelevant to you or... No, it still, it? Felt re- it still felt relevant. And, and oh, of, all, of okay. the four or five movies on this list, Office Space was the one that I rewatched the most times because oh, it was okay. it remained relevant because I think my judge is just an excellent, you know, uh, writer and, and creator satirist, exactly, of American mm-hmm. life, right? So Yeah, that- I, and, and I was going to say, uh, wouldn't you say, though, that a lot of those changes were, a lot of it was just like superficial, like, oh, you don't have to wear a suit and tie, but they the, are superficial, the yeah, concept yeah. of it, which yeah. means like, you've yes. got to do what we say kind of thing is still quite... Yeah, it it's still there, away. right? So like, I think wh- that's why you still relate to it because, yeah, we don't dress like Bill Lumberg or anymore, but the Bill Lumberg still exists. They just, you know, wear khaki shorts or something. And, and a lot of He's things. He's like we, a we, poor man's Gordon Gecko. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> like I think he probably idolized Gordon Gecko, which the is why glasses. Which is why he looks like uh, a poor man's uh, Michael Douglas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and bosses. Well, I mean, were- but the thing about Lumberg is that he's like he's not that he's not that abusive. He's not he's that nice very, either. Like, he's just kind aggressive. of a dick, like, oh, I'm in charge, you know? He Lumberg really captures what I really don't like about bosses. <laughs> that like that superficial niceness that kind of catches like, you can never have a real conversation with him. And just, you know he's just seething with contempt for you. He don't give a fuck about you. Have you guys you. had bosses like that though? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like, yes. like any totally. of the? Yes, okay, totally. I guess I I haven't because I guess also as work modernized and also in in the kind of future work realm of startups, which is what Silicon Valley, right? The My Judge TV show satirizes. Bosses have changed away from that, right? And if you watch like satirizations of bosses today on, you know, modern TV, even even TV in the last 10 years, right? Like Parks and Rec and stuff, like the, the kind of bosses you have are different. They're chummier. Sometimes they're chummy and they're actually your buddy. And sometimes they're chummy and they're like, you know, using, trying to manipulate you in some way. I feel like the, 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 the Lumberg types are a thing of the past and that that was what uh, kind of- no not not maybe for for this little corner of startup world yes but in corporate america no i i think that that it's it's more like it's still lumbergish you know um so as to why these movies might be relevant today uh well here's a thought like 
if these movies, I mean, my theory, uh, you know, just kind of like fledgling theory being that, you know, at the time these uh, came out, America was at, at its like most bountiful. Therefore, you know, we could afford to be this introspective and self-critical. Now, even though we're kind of at the opposite end, that also gives you a kind of freedom because you're like, well, we got nothing to lose. Um, we, we've, we've seen the ghastly truth and what's there to hang on to? Like the, the, the dream of, you know, do what you love and, and your career being your, your life's fulfillment. I, I don't know if anyone really believes that anymore. So if that's gone, be like, yeah, why don't we just kind of have that? You end up with the same mindset, even though you, you got there a totally different way. You're a totally different uh, point at, at, the, at the peak in the valley. Uh, what do you guys think? I had that feeling after watching the the end of Office Space, where you know Peter like, well, his office burns down. He loses his job, and he <laughs> he becomes a, a construction a, a, worker. Yeah, like construction worker. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, my thought when I watched that, like, just kind of like taking it literally, I was like, I, I kind of wonder if this movie oh. was going to spark some kind of revolution or at least a change in thinking for people who've seen it to mm. think like I should do away with my like dotty boring office job, but that didn't really happen, right? Because I think that so much of the money is still there in knowledge work, especially if you're college educated, that you wouldn't go and become an electrician after having a chance at making, you know, six figures, right? Working in tech or law or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of happening now, isn't it? I, I don't know. We don't have data, but aren't there like a lot of people just quitting tech and just quitting quitting their jobs now? There's this article I have bookmark, I haven't read yet uh, from, I think, the some some NBC work series about how all these, uh, it's actually a short video, we should link it, Um about how uh, all these tech workers making six figures are actually quitting and yeah, doing exactly. something else. I don't know what, yeah. but but are, haven't we been saying that for a decade, even before the pandemic? I know people are really saying it now because people have literally lost their Sometimes jobs. Sometimes it takes an event, you know? And, and like these movies, forward. they're all about some... I think these movies are basically about a guy who says, fuck it. Uh, yeah. What would happen if you just stopped giving a shit? I think that's the thing that was really interesting a lot of guys. And it's kind of scary when you're young because you're like... But what, yeah, what but mean, what? What do you mean? I'm not shit. What the fuck am I going to do then? You know? Yeah, well, exactly. But as I'm saying, like people maybe like found it appealing because they could live this like vicariously through, yeah, you know, yeah, Peter exactly. and Lester and so on, this. and say fuck you to your boss and like fucking blackmail your boss. But they would never do it themselves. And all four <laughs> and they of have the movies, I think, maybe except for Matrix, which is a little crazy. But all the other three, I think, fundamentally come out the other end of this saying. This is this was a bad experiment, guys. <laughs> right? The whole fuck it attitude is a bad experiment. You almost ended up in federal prison. You just committed 9-11 in, you know, <laughs> and American Beauty, you're dead. All right. Matrix took a different turn. It kind of went in this crazy realm well, where you, you, you the he, he just kept getting yeah. deeper and deeper into it. But um that's kind of interesting to talk about. But do, do, does that make sense? Like I think th- the three of them were coming out the other end saying, don't just say fuck it. Don't just don't just say fuck it. Though we'll show you a story where someone does say say fuck it, and it is kind of entertaining. Yeah, there there, there <laughs> is know? a period of bliss you yeah. could get right after you say fuck it, but yes. then things could take a turn as you continue to deny the system. Like it, it's actually well illustrated in Office Space. I always kind of recognize this in the in the plot, but didn't really know what to think of it. But you know how he he goes through hypnosis hypnosis, yeah, and he like there's this montage of him just like literally breaking down the walls of, of his you know cubicle not giving a fuck at work anymore kind of not showing up not delivering and still getting promoted right but then there's a point where he kind of like loses his uh, peter loses his kind of his like chip on his shoulder that he has from the hypnosis when he starts to get into the weird like money laundering scheme <laughs> with his coworkers, and he's he kind of comes back snaps back to reality to some extent and has to do with the crisis that he's kind of created with his coworkers. 
there's a point where he yeah he comes back from that kind of fuck it attitude and has to deal with reality again yeah um not mm-hmm. lester maybe in in american beauty maybe less so but they they kind of come there there's this there's a feeling that he comes back to earth at least in office space yeah this is why this is why the matrix might be the most subversive and fucked up in these four movies uh, more so than Fight Club, because like Matrix, he, he just keeps on going and going in to the point where his original character basically doesn't exist anymore. And he's gone full psychosis where he's like, yeah, I don't believe anything that around me is real. Like all, all of this is just simulation shit. These aren't even real people. These are like programs or something. He's and that Jesus. was, yeah, that was, that was him. Right. And then he went, but he went all the way to where he t- literally takes the red pill and he, and he, he finds out, oh, that's true. There's like this other like he's he's crazy he's completely insane but the movie it doesn't have that it doesn't have the distance from Neo the way that Fight Club has maintains distance from the main characters to say no see this guy is actually crazy. <laughs> right? like, I'm thinking of that scene you know. um, in the Matrix where uh, Smith has Morpheus um, all chained up. He's like telling him about the history of the Matrix and the reason the first Matrix failed was that it was too happy. It was like. It was a dreamland for everyone. And in a way, that, that parallels like late 90s America. That is the peak of the uh, American like civilization. And maybe that's what caused people to go crazy. I mean, oh, like, yeah. it, Everyone's it so good. happy like, in their why, boardroom why is, happiness. Uh, that, they that, go that, around and start creating problems for themselves. Yeah, I got conflict. four cars in my garage. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. college is still relatively affordable. That, that was, I think, part of the whole, it's the same premise as the other three as to why it was so... I think so popular was because wasn't the story like it was actually they were like way into the future like a hundred years into the future and they were living in the world as it existed in current time 1999 that's right and that's what they were saying they're like we're we're actually way far ahead but we're just living in a simulacrum of 1999 but this isn't really 1999 and it was kind of like but for some reason thinking for some reason 1999 was the optimal time to simulate in order to get the most energy out of the human bodies yeah some shit like that yeah yeah but but then the story is about how guy in what seems like 1999 starts to kind of start questioning stuff and then kind of turns into like a superman here a superhero or whatever i don't know it's just weird it was like if 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 matrix was a movie about a real guy named thomas anderson this would be the story of how thomas anderson (laughs) went fully psychotic You know what I mean? Yeah. Or it's a, or it's <laughs> a metaphor wrong? for that. Yeah. And then two and three just did make sense. Nobody had any idea what those movies were about. Because it was actually a guy that went psycho. And you're excited you know for four for some reason? Huh? And you're excited for Matrix 4? Yeah, yeah. I actually like, I, I, I kind of enjoy them from a, I just kind of. I was going to say, like they don't make any sense to me, but I still like to watch them. It's like yeah, Fast and the Furious movies. Somewhere yeah. after like Fast Five, I can't understand the plot anymore, but I enjoy watching <laughs> I, them anyway. Uh, Matrix Reloaded is a beautiful mess. It's got some beautiful action scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. movie itself makes little sense. But I'm all about Matrix Revolutions. Uh, Matrix Revolutions. I can't defend that movie. <laughs> uh, I was going to go off on a bit tangent. Has there been like a fourth movie in any series that's been good? Um, a fourth movie? Mm, good question. Man Before Time Lethal four. Weapon. That's three. Oh, I thought they had a four. Well, no? There was a Lethal Weapon 4. It had Chris yeah. Rock in it. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Lethal Weapon 4 was pretty funny. I like Alien Resurrection. So the one we get, too. I don't think it's a good movie, but which I one? Like it. Alien Resurrection. Isn't that a three, not a not a four? No, that's a four. A- a- there was Alien. Oh, that's three. right. The guy with Rock is uh, the guy from Rock is in three. Oh, Tim Tim Hutt, Tim Dutton. Yes, Tim Dutton. yeah, that, that's his name. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he was great. He's great. 
Though he, I think he passed away. Mm-hmm. Is there a four that's good? Um, Fast and Furious uh, Four. Fast and Furious Four. <laughs> Fast Four. Uh, I think yeah, maybe I have never seen that, so I can't say. It's, what about it's, one of it's the as police as academies? Oh, uh, I've never seen any of those, no, and I don't think any hopefully of them I'll never have to. <laughs> Based on what I've heard, uh, no Pro good. Top no good will Will Rush <laughs> Hour Four be a good movie? Yes, they're doing that. Probably. Oh, Is Jackie Chan in it? No, Jackie might be Tucker. too old now. Isn't Chris Tucker being investigated for like being too friendly with Jeffrey Epstein? Like, wasn't uh, he? Isn't like, everybody? Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it was like especially close. I don't know. Uh, maybe I, maybe I'm getting a mix up with someone else. But not that I've heard. But I don't really pay attention. Nobody's getting in trouble. Yeah. I anymore. <clears throat> oh, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is. Where, when was the last time you saw him? He's gone in hiding. I don't think he's in trouble, but he's about to lose a lot of money. Is he going to lose all the farmland in America? Because well, unless that happens, it. then yeah. Like who cares? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we're getting a little far. I guess. Uh, okay. Yeah. Bring it back. Bring yeah. it back to these uh, films. Um. Okay. So you know we were talking about people quitting their jobs, uh, and stuff. Okay. Let, let's just like pull it back a little bit. You know that's that's pretty drastic. At least on a cultural level, do you think at least we'll get back to making movies like this instead of you know pure fantasy or or wish fulfillment or you know woke stuff? Like, do, do you think we'll, we'll get back to this kind of like socially? dark critical movies it is gonna um, take a really fucking long time because hmm. right now that woke train is a it's a fucking steamroller yeah when you said when you said american beauty mm. remake i was like woke american beauty that's the first thing that came to mind maybe we can right? slip like, it by saying hey you know what carolyn got a raw deal uh, she just came off like a like a harpy or a harridan or something hey let, let's tell her side of the story because um, she seems like there's like a part where Lester's like, you know, what happened to that girl who would go on the roof and like flash the news helicopters? And be like, oh, well, you know, who is this woman? And we don't mm, really get to. Yeah. And she's like almost so, capable of murder at the end. So it's uh, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think in a, in a, as a optimist in this sense, I think just compare 99 to the, to the decade that preceded it. And it was full of trash too. I think, ni- I mean, in general, it was better, I think, than now. The 80s? But- no, the 90s. I think you said um, the, the decade that preceded it. I thought we were Yeah, like, well, I mean, because this is 99, right? So, like, you know, sort of everything before 99 and during the 90s, the, the, the full of the 90s. Like, I feel like these movies were kind of breaking through something that had penned in a lot of stuff in the 90s. Like, it was taking the – it was taking a sort of more nihilistic viewpoint seriously that you had not seen. The 90s were so cheerful and optimistic. And earnest. And yeah, I, think I mean, these- like, I mean, if we mm-hmm. want to, yeah, if you want to go off of the whole like cubicle movie, ninety nine is also the year that gave us like Magnolia and like Run Lola Run and like Boys Don't Cry. Mm-hmm. Big Lebowski was ninety eight. That became like a middle aged guy religion. Seriously, <laughs> they they formed like this fake religion movie. around it. Also, even though it's not literally a cubicle movie, election is. It has the same mindset. It's also very critical. 1999. It very critical of just like American suburbia. Yeah. Yes. The kind of like the school as pretty much the precursor to the office. It's very bureaucratic. Um, you know, <laughs> year in, year out, shuffle in. You know, it was very critical of that. Yeah. Guy um, makes a terrible mistake and fucks up his life. Right? Yeah. And, you know, like the Matthew Broderick character, just a, it's kind of like a plain Joe, you know, seemingly decent guy. Um you know, and, and such good out. casting to put Matthew Broderick in that role. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, there was just there was just this, and and um, you guys ever seen the Ice Storm? Yes, oh, yeah, great movie. I love that Only. movie. Yeah, it, it it came out like in '97, I think, but it, it's essentially like like a predecessor to the to American Beauty, like upper class 
uh, suburban family, mm. lots mm-hmm. of like internal I mean, drama, like, cheating all going the on. Blue velvet, you know. Um, oh yeah, that that it, I it, this movie, what American Beauty? It was very like. You know how people say Lynchian? Like, it's not Lynchian, yeah. but it has the same themes as Lynch. Like the white it, picket yeah. fence and all the... Yeah, the, the dark shit suburbia. that happens yeah. on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Except this one... I mean, Sam Mendes just isn't there to scare the living fuck out of you. <laughs> you know, he's... <laughs> you know, he's, he's there... You know, he makes you laugh a bit and you recognize what's going on, whereas Lynch just horrifies you. Like, what the fuck is going on? Also, yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I also feel like there's been a... Like, a cultural focus away from suburbia... Mm-hmm. In, in recent mm-hmm. times, I don't know what, what's it, uh, unless something's like like a yeah, it's refocusing onto comic books and just true and, and like comic books always have, have to take in big cities, right? Because like nobody cares if you destroy like Waterville uh, in <laughs> Maine or whatever. Like it has to be New York City or San Francisco that burns down. Um, yeah, but Chris, it could would also- you say that we like if you compare these movies, these four movies, you're saying will we ever get back to this? I mean, what do you mean by that? Like back to this, is that a high point you think of some sort? Or I think what he means is like, are any movies today like if we rewatch them in twenty years, are we going to be like, wow, that movie really tapped into something? Right, exactly. Right. In in mm-hmm, a in a mm-hmm. well, like in a good way, right? Because it could be like, oh, that's such a relic of its time in a really bad way. I think we got a lot of those right now. I have now. a couple movies that tap in in a good way, but um, I'm going to hold the last them few for. Years? I'm going to hold them for yeah. I'm going to hold them for a few years and see. And ask me that question in like five, ten years. But let's ask it backwards. Like uh, taking American Beauty, which we seem to have watched the most recently. Like, do you think of that movie as a movie about the 90s? Or do you think that as a movie that's just about American people? I would say it's a movie about like post-war U.S., you know, Mm -hmm. like all Mm -hmm. because I feel like the the U.S. that we knew post-World War II pretty much ended like in 2000. So pretty universal. It ended 1999. It's, it's not about just 1999. You're saying it's yeah, a fairly I think it's universal. nuclear family, modernity, like modern mm-hmm. America. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on like com- consumerism and like vanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also very steeped uh, in its time, right? Because, uh, it it, it, you know, for example, as a two, two income household, it's not weird that the, the wife is like now more successful than the man. Uh, and so... And, they even and have just, like the gay neighbors. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. Great point. In, yeah, like, the perfect, specifics. Yeah. The details and specifics are very of the time, but I think that the deeper themes are more universal. Yeah, for sure. That's why yeah. we can still watch it now and mm. not be, be like, "What the hell is this movie talking about?" Uh, so, like, oh, yeah, mm. uh, the, the specific details about story, its plot is very rooted in its time, but yeah, its themes tap into something much more timeless and universal. And yeah, that's what I'm asking. Like, what what's being made today that will will look back in like twenty years? And like, damn, those people they they were seeing something that we weren't. You know, I'm not saying there isn't. I'm, I'm just like putting it out there openly. If somebody has something that immediately comes up, I mean, in their two mind. two things that like touch and touch on themes that I don't know they're not really related, but they're kind of like pressing it today. You know, Parasite obviously is one of them, right? That's acclaimed. Nomadland, film, though, yeah, so. Nomadland sure. is like the opposite of all these movies. But, right, but they're relevant to like the kind of climate that we're struggling with today, right? With this uh, gig economy yes. stuff, right? Yeah, I didn't watch yeah. it. I know you. I know you watched Eliza. I know you liked it, but I wonder if those will hold up to the test of time. I don't think so. I no. think it'll be like it'll be considered a small niche film. I, I don't think it, it touches on stuff that is going to be like relate relatable the way these movies were at that level. There's something about movies that are made today that are just too like of the moment. 
Yeah, I right. think so. And, yeah, and I, I think, think that's so probably because there's the there's too much like immediate feedback, I think, which makes it very tempting what, what to chase the moment. What do you mean? Like, like, say, like, like people uh, talk about it immediately on, on, online? Like, yeah, like, like, you know, how to get social media excited about you. Well, you often become very uh, kind of like self-referential to social media itself. But the problem is nobody really... It's, it's like the problem with, like, say, Disney movies that make too many pop culture references and then they kind of lose their effect uh, after even just a few years. Like, what? who the hell is this and that person? I think it's kind of the same with issues. Well, where, what about Shakespeare? Well, what do you mean? What about Shakespeare? Well, when you study Shakespeare, his is, his stuff is very like it's uh, he's he's talking about the politics of the day. He's yeah, he's but, skirting but you also, certain, certain issues. But you also need like footnotes to understand all that. And if you weren't yeah. Shakespeare, you'd probably be like, I'm not wasting my time. He's with like him. incredibly historically inaccurate. <laughs> I think it's an era where things are just going to get shittier for a while. Like, I think that's the point of this <laughs> This era is like just to lower standards a bit and just like have people stop, just stop like being too excited. Like if you think about the way people got excited for, maybe this is something people don't quite know like or remember about media is like people were actually more committed, I think, to media back in the 90s. Like they were more yeah, bought in. They, well, read they, mag- they yeah. subscribed to magazines and newspapers. They like yeah. tuned in every week. Went to the video rental store yeah. to get the new uh-huh. movies. And right. we, we, we would wait in line for like at midnight yeah. for like yes. the new Wu-Tang album or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it felt cool because everyone was in on it together. And, you know, you saw stuff all your friends. Yeah. Yeah. But now I think the quality definitely has gone down, in my opinion. But so has the engagement. Like people just don't get that as a society, like mainstream hyped about and you know mm-hmm. any one particular movie or show anymore. Yeah. Also, I think um, quality is also tied to quantity in the sense that you Too can be much. like objectively yeah. good. Problem is, if everything else is like pretty good in comparison, you kind of lose what makes it special. Um, so I think I mean like Black Widow just came out this past weekend. Apparently, a pretty decent movie. Liza, you said it's good. It made a lot of money uh, at the box office, more than people expected, I think. But I don't know. Like nobody I know is talking about it. I have no interest. in I seeing would never it. have um, watched it if the kids didn't beg for it. I was not planning on spending thirty dollars, but like the kids wanted to see it, so you know we bought it. And then I sat through it, and I was like, "That's really not that bad." I'll never watch it again. Yeah, and even like five years ago, this would have been a huge deal. But like, yeah, it wasn't. But it I wasn't that good, bad. But it's I'm also. I'm saying I think not, that can be seen as a good thing. It's not. That's not all bad. Mm. That that people are not this like bought into uh media there's like a little level of detachment where they're not just being they're not just uh you know they're paying more attention to real life now than i think before people were in the 90s or um they they like you know you know how like uh, people still keep watching you know friends or the office Mm -hmm. it might be because there's just they know that was a thing back then in a way that even a hit show these days it, it just comes and goes so quickly that, well, they're like remaking shows now. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah, so it's it's like we'll still have the hunger for media, but we'll we'll just keep uh, clinging to the past. We'll keep watching like Seinfeld forever and ever. We'll keep watching The Simpsons forever and ever. Yeah, or we'll watch a reboot or whatever. And even as much as we like, say BoJack Horseman or, or whatever is like the equivalent these days. In my people, it, it never had that same cultural impact, and it never will. Well, you don't. Well, you don't know until like ten years from now, right? Well, 10, who knows? But yeah, now. but uh, in terms of just sheer audience size, uh, there's um, stuff I think that'll. Stay. I think like always, it's always sunny. Is is <laughs> it will always but be. But that's funny pretty to me. old though. That is, isn't know? that like even older than The Office or uh, around the same time? 
Oh, I guess it depends. So I think kind that of, period, yeah. uh, you know, before like everything became too online and digitized, yeah. right? Uh, it's safe. It's like yeah, it was still true. a show that people you had to actually obey the TV schedule, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I, I don't know. Maybe like all culture will be extremely ephemeral from now on. Which did did that did that make make that. the media from the past more precious or more? That, that's what know, I'm saying. Like like beloved? quality because you had is tied to, to quantity. Uh, even even just. Well, not just that there's less of it, but because you had to, like, you know, put more physical effort, like, move your fucking schedule around, like, line up at midnight and so on to consume it. I don't know, but a lot of garbage was made back then, let's be honest, right? We just don't remember it. (laughs) I guess. I think people took it more seriously, and that means that there was more – and there was – like, there were a few critics that really gatekept, and Ebert was one of them, thankfully. So – there was sort of like it has to be a good movie to be taken seriously by the mainstream media and stuff. Like they, that's why like action movies would never win the Oscars or whatever. Mm-hmm. There was all this whole thing like oh, well, nineteen ninety nine was pretty much the last time that movies really, really had like the culture were the cultural force they were because after nineteen ninety nine is when like um, DVD box sets and like cable TV took off, yeah. cable, cable TV, cable took TV off, yeah. like smart television shows that could be like episodic, you know, like yeah. The Sopranos or like The Wire. Before mm-hmm. that, it was like a sitcom stuff, the stuff that had to reset every. And, every and week. Here, here's something I noticed too that it's it's one of the big changes that I've noticed is that stuff is not about or it. There's not a lot of stuff about our current time and world. It's a lot of stuff that takes place in just fantasy world, like just fucking or the past. Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's you know? period pieces became a thing. Period like pieces 10 years ago. Yeah, totally. Yeah, few uh, sci-fi, whatever, but anything but. Something that takes place sort of in the here and now. Like literally contemporary life, which is what pretty much all these movies are exactly. that we're talking about today are about. Yeah. Yes. I, think, I think one yeah. reason is that if you make it in, about contemporary life, you'll get like everybody nitpicking you about, well, why wasn't I included? Why wasn't, why wasn't all that? So at least if you said it in the past, you can kind of it, – it's not entirely fictional, but – you you get you can get away a little bit because you know some of the people around then are dead so they're not they can't complain that that's why they, they should movie they should make movies where they just openly disavow the woke shit where they're just like look you could say what you want about my movie but I am not going for woke points with this but movie. the problem is that right, movie so won't get made that's the issue right like there well, is- I, I don't I don't know about now but maybe it will soon things get can change very fast because I think people are getting the screenplay that I'm writing oh interesting it's like you know I, I refuse to hire like a sensitivity reader or consult yeah. with a diversity exactly and inclusion person and uh mm-hmm. anything that i might foresee as being slightly problematic i'm just like oh well <laughs> yeah. but i'm also a nobody so like my movie probably no you could do me. you could do like a reverse of uh the hate you give which is a stealth woke movie with like a very like conservative uh kind of racist <laughs> um, kind of <laughs> yeah yeah pretty racist uh you know internal logic to it you could do the opposite where it's like you know comes with, like oh my god this is an anti-woke movie it, they don't give a fuck about wokeness ooh but it actually has like a pretty you know it's like, so anti-woke that it's woke well, 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 well was no, it, something well, worth saying like something well, something good to say you know would the would the joker fall into that category of just like kind of doing its thing and saying fuck it yeah dude. probably Kinda. Probably the biggest example in Not recent yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, that could actually last the test of time. I think that's actually yeah. the movie that I was thinking of. Oh yeah, okay, oh, okay. yeah, got it. One yeah. of the movies I was thinking of. I, I don't think it'll one be ever viewed me. as great, but it'll be of its time. Ask me in like ten years. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Um, I I think we should wrap it up soon. Uh, but yeah, I, as I said, this is gonna be the first I think of a whole series of, uh, episodes on this topic. Um, one version on in this we'll call it a series or whatever we call it is the death of office culture, which I think is kind of traumatic. I think to an older generation, especially, um, to whom off the office was a place to make friends, even lovers. You watch a lot of movies about office romances and friendships. Now everyone just wants to work from home. And be like, hey, I can make friends on uh, Twitter or or a uh, Bumble or or something like that. So yeah, when you compare like the '80s office movies, it was like it's so sexy and exciting, and, and like even emboldening to work in an yeah. office. You know, yeah. like Working Girl <laughs> or Wall Street. Yeah, and yeah. um. By the way, Chris, that's why Clockwatch is a good movie because it's precisely about making friends at the office and then watching them crumble away as well. Mm, so. I see, I see. Yeah, I, I don't think people. I, I think it'll people have not quite understood like the potential for horror uh, that comes from working at home. You know, oh, you're, like you're, you're a pessimist on that. Yeah. Oh no, well, the companies are going to learn to fuck you one way or another. I mean, oh, they're yeah, not yeah, going to make yeah. this. They're not going to make this fun for you. Like this yeah. is not going to be. <laughs> it's not going to be great. I mean, you've already heard of apps that like pretty much keep a, a tab on how I heard somebody tell me that uh, there, there are like these uh, programs that, that can monitor how fast you're uh, responding to emails because she works in some kind of like sales or, or you have to answer a lot of uh, customer emails. Um, there's going to be like like webcams you can't turn off. Um, yeah. But hey, at least you might not have to commute. Um, well, until they, they somehow people are going to miss their commutes at some point. Once they realize the well, horror I guess, of being, I guess if you're in the primitive New York subway, that was always a legit excuse. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna be in the subway for 30 minutes. Can't can't uh can't call me. Can't email me. Yeah, <laughs> but we're gonna lose yeah. that, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, you can't email or call exactly when you're like driving either. You're not supposed to. Well, that's what I'm, that's what my my point is. But when you're at home. You're gonna be yeah. Just the, the, yeah the commute, the commute by subway or by car is that brief period of respite that everybody has. But the new reality, <laughs> the new horror is that you you know you stumble from your your one bedroom in your one bedroom apartment over to your desk in your living room, and then that's it. There's no privacy, <laughs> and then you're tracked. Yeah, from the moment you open your eye to when you close <laughs> it, is you're on the clock. There's gotta be a movie about that, or there will well, be. And the, the other thing that's kind of unfair about this is like the experience of work from home is very dependent on like your age, because if you're older like me, it's a fucking fantasy. It's like, oh, my God, like I already right. know how the, all the office politics shit works. I don't care. I know what I don't need and I know what I need. But for younger people, I could see this being very unnerving because unlike older people, there's no trust with younger people in, when it comes to when you hire them. You got to monitor the fuck out of them, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. that's going to be that's going to be rough being monitored at home like that. Yeah, training you know? is going to be very difficult. Um, yeah. So if there's like a hybrid, it's probably going to be geared towards getting the younger, newer workers trained and all that. You know. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, any last thoughts, people? Well, I mean, just I think just the the original like kind of uh, reason why this podcast came out was about this question of like, oh, you know, COVID lockdowns are. Slow, like you know winding back and people go back to the office now and so it makes me think about how all these movies were about the protagonist kind of like finding freedom and like the good thing that happens in a movie is that they quit their jobs or they get to break free from the office maybe that's you know rel like that that's just exactly why people are so terrified <laughs> of having to go back because you're losing your your freedom and and so it's going to be interesting to see, I think, what kind of struggle happens like between now and when people get back. I don't think everyone's going to go back to the office, but 
there's that big battle, right? Because these movies have pointed out that we exact we got exactly what we wanted, right? Because of the pandemic, and now we're gonna lose it. So that was kind of my my thought on the theme. Yeah, I think I was thinking, yeah, kind of along that lines that from my perspective, because I was like, you know, just about to graduate college when these uh, films came out. So I very much had these ideas in my head, right? Because you're coming out of college and you're thinking about what kind of path you're going to take in life and all this shit. And you're like, okay, what is it like for slightly older guys who are mid-career? Oh, this fucking blows. Uh, So I always thought like that was what where like my generation was in 99 and then it's been 20 plus years since then with a ton of crazy shit that has happened in between Mm -hmm. but there's nothing really on this end now for me that captures what's going on the or the questions that people have the way that these four movies did back then like these the chris is right the, the 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 equivalent of these films do not exist now as they did back then and i don't know if they'll ever get made but uh, it would be very great, I think, if if that happened, you know, like if something could actually, if someone could actually offer something, yeah, capture the uh, moment that, yeah, that captures that that whatever word it is that describes what people feel now. Uh, then it was like this weird uh, sort of corporate ennui, and people didn't really know how to sort of express that until these these kinds of movies came out. Liza, any last thoughts? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much done. Uh, so thanks for joining us, listeners. Uh, well, as I said, we'll be back probably with uh, further editions um, of, of this ongoing topic with movies. So a couple of the movies we didn't get to talk much about today. So we'll discuss those and more in our next episodes. So uh, join us next time. Uh, until then, bye, everyone. Later. See you.